Welcome back to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody. You might as well buy them from us. Help fund the movement. Help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement. That's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I'm your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast with my incredible co-host back again in the studio today, the great Professor Penn for another episode of Hebrews, another edition of Hebrews, episode 167. Good evening. Welcome back, Professor Penn. Glad to be here. Thank you. By popular demand from last Friday's Hebrews episode, uh, where I went off the went off the rails, and and now we got you back. Um, tell me about what you're seeing this this week over the last couple of days. We we didn't really even discuss the Tucker and um. We didn't even discuss the Tucker and Putin Putin interview, really. Yeah. Um, let's start there. Let's start with Tucker and Putin. Let's let's. What'd you think of the interview? What'd you think of the history? What'd you think of the explanation that 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 he laid out that let, that Putin laid out? Let me just take it a on a flanking move here, which is going to freak out some of the listeners and viewers. This past weekend, I watched a movie called Europa: The Last Battle. About nine hours. It was the history of Europe during the World War II period told from the Nazi perspective. Now, people might say, Professor Penn, are you a Nazi? And I will say, no, I'm a student of history. And as I watched the movie, the references to the historical events of which I was quite familiar being told from a different perspective was quite thought-provoking. So as regards Putin and his very long half-hour rendition of European history, which I noticed that all the Atlantisist PhDs from our dirty dozen top universities said he's out of his mind. And what runs through my mind? When's the last time you were in the Ukraine there? Uh, Oh, I could give you a list of them. That's just Ann Applebaum. Uh, There's just a whole group of these people that are Bill Crystal, there's another one, great one. David Frum, another one. These people have never been in the region. They have no tie to the region. Everything they've learned, they've learned from the Ph.D. that taught them, who learned from the Ph.D. that taught them, who was probably, probably, very likely, on the payroll of MI6 here specifically to brainwash our academic dummies who get Ph.D.s. So I don't know why his version of history can just be so offhandedly rejected by people that have never been there. And I have to say this, you've heard me say this too personally, and I've said it on my podcast, guess where my family is from? That would be from the Ukraine. So I actually have first-person reportage. For example, we spoke Russian in our home when I was a little kid. My father fluently spoke Russian. My grandparents fluently spoke Russian. They were from the Ukraine. So their reports of what happened mean a whole hell of a lot more to me than some Ph.D. from, let's say, Princeton University. Mm. I'd rather have a first. Would you rather have a firsthand report than somebody that read it out of somebody's textbook? I would. But, you know, that's just me. Yeah. Well, I'm sure some some jerk offs like their jerk off secondhand. Yeah, that's really sad, isn't it? Secondhand jerk offs. 
It's a t-shirt. That's a good t-shirt. That's a great t-shirt. <laughs> Visit the freepeopleradio.com <laughs> store for get your secondhand jerk-off t-shirt. Yeah. That's, that's what um <laughs> that's rich. What, what I'm gonna use that. Next time I see something from Bill Crystal, I'm just gonna go secondhand jerk off. Because usually I go globalist. Usually I say globalist exclamation point. Now I'm just gonna switch to secondhand jerk off exclamation point. It's even better. What what do you think of uh of his claims of denazification there in, in Ukraine and the whole, the whole story about, cause you were talking about this a year ago about the, the sort of uh, gang violence that what, what can be described as gang violence, but looks like it was much more coordinated by maybe the CIA against uh, Russian speaking people in the Donbass area and, and other places like that. What are you familiar with, with what he claimed what, what Putin claimed about, um, the sort of Nazi Nazification of of Ukraine and and uh, persecution of the Russian people, uh, Russian speaking people. I, I I personally personally, from familial history, would have a predisposition to believe in the Nazi argument for the Ukraine because my family members were killed in the Ukraine in Kiev by Ukrainians. Oh, they were killed. They were they they were Jewish. The claim could be made that they were Jewish Bolsheviks. They rounded up all the Jewish Bolsheviks and killed them. Everyone they get their hands on. In fact, the greatest single uh, atrocity of the war actually took place in the Ukraine. It's, it was a massacre at Kiev. Some thirty thousand Ukrainian citizens, actually they were Russian citizens, were killed by small arms fire pistols. In a weekend. So I didn't set the scene, right? I mean, I'm talking about cultural, intergenerational cultural trauma, of which I am a proud recipient thereof. They killed th these Ukrainians under, you know, Nazi supervision, allegedly, but I think they like their work. If you're going to kill 30,000 people in a weekend with handguns and rifles, mm -hmm. you got to like your work. Yeah. You got to like your work because yeah. that's hard work, right? So they, they did, and, then, and that's the greatest single atrocity of the war. Now, the claim could be made that's a long time ago, but uh, there's a lot of people that are claiming they're Jewish that haven't put on filling or a yarmulke for, I don't know, two generations, and they're still claiming that they're Jews. So why would it be any different with Nazis? I mean, these are very enduring cultural mechanisms. I mean, the Nazis have a hero, Adolf Hitler. They have all kinds of rituals. They got, uh, you know, uh, ways to get incorporated higher up in the Nazi hierarchy. They got a culture. So why couldn't it endure? So I am predisposed, particularly when I look at the pictures, which you can go find right on Wikipedia or right, right on Google, of Ukrainian paramilitary and military members wearing hruns. Uh, now people are going to say, well, they're not really Nazi symbols. They're they're runes. They they mean something else. You know, if you really were sensitive to not being labeled as a Nazi, why would you use a Nazi symbol? I mean, you can pick any symbol, yeah. any symbol, any symbol. So they pick these for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so I am predisposed to believe that there is an element in Ukrainian society that is 
well, from Putin, Putin calls them Nazis. I, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't, um, I don't take Putin's word for everything either. Right. And then we got on this side, I'm reading all this stuff on X from all these great, what'd you call, from the secondhand jerk-offs. Yeah, secondhand jerk-offs. The secondhand jerk-offs are making this case like Putin is a communist. And when they come back into the Ukraine, if they take it over, we have to defend the Ukraine because if the Ukraine falls, it's going to be just like what happened when the Soviets took over the Ukraine at the start of the Soviet Union, there's going to be killings. And I just saw an article in the Guardian. There's a great source. Uh-huh. They're they're discovering these mass graves that are left over from the Soviet period, and they're trying to pin uh, a Soviet era intentionality upon the Russians. Yeah, Putin's claim is that the the mass graves that they found are Nazi graves. So we find ourselves in a position where we're defending the Nazis in in a way. Well, it seems that. Even the possibility or the claim thereof, but the uh, the only thing I can well here, let's let's go. What about this? What about them honoring the the Nazi war hero there in Canada on the Parliament floor? Or or Christian Freeland? I mean that actually happened. Yes, that's correct. That and that was odd. Well, we and can, Zelensky was there and Trudeau was there. Oh, we can and, just let's just slide right on down the rabbit hole right to Operation Paperclip. Let's just start there. Let's just start with what we actually know historically is true. Proceed. Our country, United States of America, our country had a very well-developed eugenics movement. It gave itself over to Darwinism right when, you know, Darwin was still sucking out of the bottle. We were Darwinists here because we had a lot of... uh, with the people that wanted freedom, along came the people that wanted to have the slavery and the drugs and the piracy business model. So we needed that. We had that justification here. We had very well-developed eugenics laws. We, we had a proto-Nazi movement here. Uh, we had the German-American Bund. We had the silver shirts. We had conflict in the streets. We, you know, we've covered this. We've talked about it. We had a Nazi movement here that was really only went away because of the Japan attack on Pearl Harbor, because they all got branded as terrorists. Say, we've heard this before. Traitors, terrorists. And that's another thing I'm seeing all over X. Everybody's a traitor now. But we had this Nazi movement here, and it disappeared, but the ideas didn't disappear. You know, and that's really the key, is where are these ideas, and what are, where are they coming from, and what are they doing to our children? That, that's the thing that I find the most concerning. One could make the claim if one was uh, in the frame of mind, you could say that the post-World War II Democrat liberal order just evolved the concept that one race is superior and another is inferior under the rubric of democratic liberalism. Because what are we doing as America? We're telling everybody how to live their lives. Right. And then we had Operation Paperclip. Let's just go back, okay? So now here comes the Nazis. I watched this Europa. Every historical uh, event that I had studied that was mentioned in there, I saw it through fresh eyes. And I'm not saying I'm taking the Nazi vision of history. I'm saying there's information there. Going back to Putin, Putin gave this beautiful historical uh, summary of Russian history and the relationship between Ukraine, Poland, and Russia going back to 862. 862. You know, Americans don't have that kind of frame of reference. 
our frame of reference is like, oh, uh, yesterday. We don't have a historically, we don't even have a historically interested people. How can we self-govern if we don't have the interest of understanding where our ideas come from? That You know, that's really my greatest concern. The thing that I find the most troubling of all this is if the people, we the people, are so narcissistic that we don't care about how we think the way we think, how are we ever going to get out of the spot that we find ourselves in? But we had this uh, big out-migration of uh, really European Jewry, mm-hmm. which was fought by both the Democrat and Republican parties equally in the 1930s, trying to keep out of the country which w- what was called Jewish Bolshevism, which is a real uh, phenomenon. And all these Jewish people came here, and that's where my forebears came from. And who was my father? Professor at the University of Minnesota. So there, And his Ph.D. professor was a guy named Herbert Feigl, who was from the Frankfurt School, They actually the famous Frankfurt School, and he was a, a Jewish man who I knew him, and he, you know, he didn't believe in God. He was a proud atheist. So my question would have been, at the age of eight, had I been able to articulate it, how can you say, Professor Feigl, you're a Jew when you don't believe in God? Are those two related? And he was a great philosopher. I would have been very interested to hear his answers, long dead. But they came over here, these Bolsheviks, and they went right into our universities. And here's how it went down. What we really wanted was the physicists, the chemists, and the biologists. And they had their pals. So they'd say, yeah, I'll, I'll teach at Harvard. But these four sociologists, this economist, and this anthropologist, we're all coming together as a team, or I'm out. So all these universities ended up taking all this European input, these European ideas, and, of course, that got the ball rolling, rolling from a scientific research perspective. From paperclip, you mean? Well, before paperclip. Before it was paperclip. Good. And then we actually had paperclip, which I think our government admits to. 1,500, like, 1,600. Great. Could be 16,000. Could be 160,000. We don't know. We have no idea. None. And so we it's, pro- it's always more than they say. <clears throat> well, when you have eugenics and Darwinism, let's leave the eugenics out. One could one could say in the audience, people are going to be saying, how can you leave the eugenics out? We're living in a time of peak eugenics because it's very Darwinistic right now. You know, it's survival of the fittest at the business level, the familial level. But the the uh, the adoption in our universities of a Darwinist worldview extirpated the previous hundreds and hundreds of years of a Christian frame to educate our young people. So I have five kids that have gone through university. None of them took any religion classes. None of them uh, developed any higher or deeper interest in faith life through their educational experience. In fact, their educational experience stood in juxtaposition to any kind of faith life that I'd given them before they went there. So that's all the way through to kindergarten now. That's another big problem. How do we turn around? You know, you're a politician. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't like that. Is, that. is that the right label for you, politician? It's not, is it? I'm a motherfucker. For, as a motherfucker, mm-hmm. okay, as mm-hmm. the hatchet man. Yeah. 
as the motherfucker hatchet man of mm-hmm. Minneapolis, mm-hmm. the belly of the beast. What do we do with this educational system to restore some semblance of balance in our children's education? Matter of national security. Proceed. It's going to have to come from the president, from the executive branch. This is a <clears throat> a, a great issue of, um, you know, there's a duality where we don't want the federal government to have more power. And we want more power for the states. And then there's some things that are so far gone at the state level that they may need federal intervention, which is... Like segregation. Which is horrifying. Like segregation. Well, yeah, slavery. Like slavery, right. yes, and and you need great leaders to distinguish which of those which of those key issues need that that federal intervention. Like the Federal Reserve, is probably another good example. Technology, big tech, is another good example of a, a, a an industry that probably needs um, federal government oversight. Um, AI, for sure. I mean, that's probably the most dangerous one, actually. But yeah, education. I mean, I, I don't. I don't even know. I don't know what can be done. I mean, that's going to be a huge fight in the Supreme Court, and you know. But that's what should be done. The education at as it is today is a matter of national. It's a danger to national security. It really is. I got an idea. Let's revoke the five hundred one c three status of all the churches, synagogues, and mosques in the country. Yeah, for sure. Let's revoke that. Let's start there. That'd be good. Let's, because, you know, maybe two-thirds of them are going to go out of business. Well, then they were just in business for the money anyhow, weren't they? Let's get it down to where we're actually transmitting a religious education (coughs) that is uh, reflective of the different faiths, and let's render unto Caesar what's due to Caesar. What kind of scam is that, that you don't have to render, but you can't really talk full-throated about how you feel about things anymore. Yeah. Maybe we need that. I was listening to um, Alex, mm-hmm. and he was going off about uh, the Super Bowl ad where... With the feet. With Jesus the washing feet. the feet. Yeah, and he just said, this is a really satanic... Put a gay black man at the end. I, I didn't see White it. White guy washing his feet. I mean, of course. Now, that, w- that was racially divisive, but it was also sexually divisive. And it was spiritually divisive. So, I mean, it was all, all systems go with the division there. Um, much more than the singing of Lift Every Voice and Sing. In fact, I don't even remember them uh, showing the, the singing of Lift Every Voice and Sing on the national broadcast. Maybe they decided not to in the end to appease the, uh, the con- you know, the, the, the outcry against it. Um, I didn't give a shit one way or another. I didn't give a shit what songs they played. I didn't give a shit if they, you know, I, I, and again, I told you this, I said this on Wednesday night's podcast. I think it's, I think it dishonors the troops. Well, first it dishonors the troops and their memory and their sacrifice when we allow the military industrial complex to operate the way it's operating. That's a, that's a disgrace to the military, to the people who served. But when we let a company like the NFL pretend like they care about the troops by playing the national anthem, that disgraces the military. That, that, that's dishonest right out in the open. I mean, it's just, uh, if anybody believes that the, the NFL actually has any 
reverence for for what it means to be American and and the sacrifice made by our troops to defend uh, American citizenship or the ideas here in this country, way of life, culture, then I mean you're you're a crackhead. You're no better than a crackhead. You might as well smoke crack. Go out and start smoking crack. It'll be funner. <laughs> Serious. Because the NFL and the NBA and the major major baseball, major yeah. league baseball, MLB, MLB and L- M- NBA, NHL, NHL, all of them. They really don't care about the core values of the no, it's just traditional a, culture. It's just a it's just a <clears throat> it's just a ceremonial proceeding that takes place to appeal to boomers who still have some reverence for that that Americanism. You, are you saying that the younger generations don't oh, have Oh, the younger that? generation doesn't even stand for the anthem. They don't give a shit. They've been taught not to care. You guys grew up saying the Pledge of Allegiance in the school. That's correct. Right, so that's why they do it. Oh, so we're, we've become a... Uh, you're a holdover. A cohort. Yeah, you're a, you're a cohort. Yeah, you're a holdover cohort. There, there's more money to get out of us. Yeah, well, I mean... There's more money to get... The, I can't tell you how many, uh, how many, uh, even at the high school level. Now, the high school level is different. Like what they do at high school games or at high school sporting events should be completely separate from what they do at commercial and corporate sporting events, including college. Uh, so, you know, it, and college is even different because those are academic institutions. Uh, professional sports are completely independent sports corporations, right? So they're, what they're doing is even different than the college level. I think the anthem should be played at the college level and at the high school level, um, but but playing at the professional level is an absolute disgrace. And partly because of what the corporations have become at the professional level. Globalist. Globalist to the max, uh, it, it's anti-American. So don't don't slap the national anthem on it and appease the boomers. In other words, put who, lipstick on the pig. Yeah, don't put lipstick on it. Yeah, don't put red, white, and blue lipstick on a pig. I can't say it any better than that. So, I mean, I, I was just saying that because <clears throat> before we ever get to the anti-Christ LGBTQ ads during the Super Bowl, you got to ask the question, why are people watching the Super Bowl? And I get it. You know, a lot of family, a lot of family uh, gatherings now proceed around the Super Bowl because it's such a big cultural event here in America. So I get even if you were watching the Super Bowl or if the Super Bowl was on at a family gathering you happen to be at. I get that. Even if you want to watch it, even if you're interested in the game. I, I, I sort of watched it. I mean, you know, I thought it was a good game. Some people think it's scripted. I would say there's probably some merit to that. Don't know for sure. Would like to believe that it's not because I'm a professional athlete myself. That would be horrifying to, to re- review history uh, through the lens of, of rigged sporting events. But it's possible. Um, however, you know, I, I thought the game was a good game. It was a suspenseful game. A lot of Super Bowls are blowouts. Um, but the ad, well before we get to the ad, that was obviously anti-Christ and, and taking the Lord's name in vain and perverting the, the, the parable of, of Jesus washing, washing the feet. Well before we get to that, the biggest problem is that they actually played the Star Spangled Banner, the national anthem, and, and they did the flyover and they presented the military in the beginning of the game. And that is the sign of military industrial complex having this propaganda uh, hold on, on the narrative. And who, who else is buying into it? Nobody my age buys into that. Nobody my age buys into this false sense of allegiance to the, the, the military or, or our troops. That's all I, the boomer. I don't, I don't know that it's nobody. No, no, not a significant cohort. 
that's why more than ever they're not signing up. To, they're still to be in the military. That's correct. But <laughs> so. but I will say I, I look at it I look at it a little bit more through the uh, oh and even more importantly let me say this before you go um, even if young people are signing up for the military increasingly they're not signing up for the military not uh, the money it's for the money they've and, made they've made the military in service a radical a, a product of of radical materialism which again undermines what they're trying to present it as some cultural uh, uh, you know reverence for for sacrifice for your country. They're presented as a national honor, but it's not a national honor. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's radical materialism and, and, and economic interest alone. Well, we're talking about things that I think a lot of commentators have had a purchase on for quite some time, but you couldn't talk about it without running into a tremendous pushback because we have created this uh, wall around service and the military academies. And, of course, we respect people that risk their lives uh, and put themselves in harm's way. So we, we're, it's hard to talk about it. But I think if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that the military has the front end of this event, and you're saying that the anthem and the flyover really kind of co-opt or kind of set the tone for the entire uh, Super Bowl experience for the hundreds of millions of people that watch it. And if you're watching it from offshore, if you're not an American citizen, you're watching it. Well, that must be quite a thing to view. But I, 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 I want to look at it and talk about it in, in just a slightly different way because this, this is painful for me. This is the one event that all Americans gather together for the one event. Mm -hmm. And I want to juxtapose it. And I, I don't think we talked about it on Hebrews. I think I talked about it on the Professor Penn podcast, so I don't think I'm repeating myself. The very same weekend, this was the Chinese New Year. It's the Year of the Dragon. Mm -hmm. The Chinese have a gathering event, a media event. It's called their gal annual gala show. And I've, because I've been to China so much, I've watched it off and on since the beginning of maybe like 2006. And they have four hours. It's about the same length as the Super Bowl. There was not one military display. There was not one commercial. It was the entire country of China, and virtually every Chinese citizen watches this show. So we've got these two high rituals, these two country-specific high rituals. One is the Chinese, which is really a show of singing and dance Chinese culture. Chinese culture and trying to bring their, they have their Mongolian and their Tibetan and their Muslim. You know, they let all their different groups present and perform. They're trying to create cultural harmony. connectivity and harmony. harmony. And they're giving great play to artistic expression. Mm -hmm. And then we've got ours, which is a giant. Guns and butter. Guns and butter and a big money-making opportunity. So we have a spiritual, basically a spiritual intensification of what it is to be Chinese and we have an American let's drain the last drops out of your balls event mm -hmm. you know and that really is interesting because we're always criticizing the Chinese as being materialists well who's really the materialist I mean if you look at the rituals the high country specific all citizen rituals 
They've got a beautiful artistic spiritual presentation of being Chinese. Yeah, well, theirs is just a fucking scam, though. I mean, that's I'm not I'm not buying it one. Well, bit. go watch it. It's not a scam. I'm not buying it one. Watch bit. it. China's China's whole fucking presentation is one big scam. They're liars. They don't believe in God, so they have no choice but to lie. <clears throat> People who don't believe in God are going to be dishonest by by nature. Well, we're uh, lying too, because that display, well, but that, in a different <clears throat> way. I'm just saying that from the perspective of culture. Yeah, their they, mechanism. They believe in a they believe in a Chinese identity. That's correct. They're showing it. That's there their is religion. no American identity. And what is being no? Left- actually, let's say it even different. The American identity is exactly has become exactly what the Super Bowl presents: distraction with superficial things being sold. I mean, the biggest thing about the Super Bowl is what? What is the biggest thing about the, the Super ads? Bowl? I was going to say, I mean, do, nothing tells do you, you want pepperoni or hamburger on your pizza? No, nothing tells you you're a jerk-off, sort of propagandized, uh, psyoped, media-industrial complex culture than your biggest cultural event of the year, uh, prioritizing or, or being you know, coveted for the ads. I mean, how good- People can, watch for the ads. People watch for the ads. Yeah. It's a huge talking point. It's the biggest talking point of the Super Bowl. Right. And that, the ads are so expensive, it's- Almost absurd. RFK had an ad in the Super Bowl. He did you apologized see that? for that ad. Oh, I did didn't he? see. Yeah, he apologized to his family. I don't get it. Why? Well, because they criticized him for using JFK's the image. Yeah, and he actually apologized. He bent a knee to his family, which I think is a mistake, because they want. I mean, I'm looking yeah, on that. He's ads. made a lot of mistakes. Well, they're they're saying that he doesn't have the right. He can't fill the shoes. Oh, well, I think he's quite impressive myself. Whew. Can't feel, the, and they can. I mean, who are they to say? Who who's saying? His brothers, his sisters, his cousins. What have they done? Uh, they've saluted the flag of the Democrat Party. There you go. That's what. But, no, doing. I mean, what have they done individually? Well, I'm, I'm not. I mean, I'm not speaking of anybody in specific. But, well, if the, but I'm, I'm saying is, if they had done of any anything of note, like he's done, then we he, know who they were. We would know we? who they were. We don't yeah, know. Step up to the fucking mic. Right. Yeah. Or are you still scared because they blew your uncle's head off and everybody? It, was okay with it. Yeah, just the bravery of him doing this is absolutely very impressive. You know, and you there's know no disrespect. Him. You know to the, him, don't you? Yeah, I know. Him. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and I, I, I like him. And there are a lot of people out there who I have a difference of opinion on many key issues, uh, and 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 RFK would be one of them. And he would, and he knows where I would, you know, where I would differ, because you know, unlike some of the other fucking Kennedys who are hiding back there in the shadows, no disrespect, uh, you know, uh, Bobby. But some of your family members are sellouts. That's the reality. I got some of my own family. Couldn't trust them. Couldn't trust them to to hold the line on important shit, especially in matters this of this magnitude. Difference being, people in my family probably wouldn't understand the fundamentals of the issues they would need to stand for. His family, on the under, other hand, understand the issues thoroughly, and they would fucking sell us all down the river in a heartbeat. And you know, so. It, you know, I disagree with him. Number one, he's taking a stand against the status quo and the Democrat Party. That's a good thing. He's had to take a stand against his family. Take some is, bravery. Which takes some bravery. Um, and he's had to take a stand against the military-industrial complex because anytime a Kennedy steps up to do anything, the military-industrial co- the shadow of what took place with Kennedy hangs over the that person's head. So, you know, he fair was, play I to think, him. I think, he was, I think he was in the hotel and... Los Angeles, the night his father was killed. I think he was actually there. Wow. If I, if memory serves, I'm sorry if I'm incorrect, but I, as my memory serves me, 
he was in, I think it was the Ambassador Hotel. Mm-hmm. And I think he was actually there. I think he was nine years old, which actually was my age at the time. So, I mean, I remember, and the fact that he would have the courage, the courage having seen that, to risk everything to present ideas. And I don't agree with a lot of his ideas. That's another thing. This whole hatred that's being stoked because yeah. people don't agree with each other. Yeah. Apparently we're all supposed to agree with each other. Well, no, the problem is we don't have the key issues down. We want to. Well, let's get the one key issue down. I want to just say it. There's one okay. key one now. Go ahead. One, because we, we don't have all of the people uh, <coughs> coalesced around this, this very, very simple new dialectic. Because mm-hmm. we got all these ones that don't fit anymore, like red and blue, conservative and liberal, Democrat and Republican. That's all yesterday. Yeah. Today, there's just one key idea. Are you a globalist or you are a nationalist? If the nationalists concede, or, can, or if, they, if they succeed, if the nationalist movement succeeds in undermining and defeating the globalist movement, then we're going to have to have an argument amongst the nationalists. Are we going to have a national atheist country or a national faithful country? How is that going to sort itself out? But right now, that's down the road. Right now, we just need to identify these globalists and make fun of them because they are secondhand jerk-offs. Yeah. They're just secondhand jerk-offs with PhDs and MDs. Victoria Newland. I mean, the, the, the simple fact that, and it's Amy Klobuchar too. Oh, I mean, the, she's the, bad. The fact that Amy Klobuchar, the, 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 the single, maybe the single greatest indictment uh, of our American political culture is that Republicans in Minnesota actually like Amy Klobuchar. I ran into a guy at a, um, a seventh grade boys basketball tournament. He was reffing, he was okay. a referee. And he recognized me, he came over and he said, uh, uh, I, love, I love how straight you talk on Twitter. It's, it's really uh, fun, to, fun to see, it's inspiring, but it's fun to see. Secondhand jerk-offs. Secondhand jerk-offs, he, <laughs> likes, he likes that, uh, that brash <laughs> delivery. And, but, but we started to talk and, and he, uh, he asked me, if I was running this cycle and who against. And I told him Amy Klobuchar and I told him that she, she, uh, she gets uh, better results than, than any of the other more recent Democrat uh, statewide elections. Uh, you know, she, she got, she, she outperformed Governor Waltz which can only mean one thing. Republicans are voting for. Republicans are voting for. It's the single greatest indictment of American political culture is that Minnesota Republicans don't see Amy Klobuchar for what she really is. She's the exact same as Nikki Haley. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Minnesota Republicans support Nikki Haley. Oh, I think they do. I think that would be the preferred of the... uh... Did you see how disgusting that Fox interview was with her where she said... That, that Donald Trump went after her husband and that no military member, if you go after one military family, you go after all military families, what kind of weird collectivist communist sort of fucking epithet is that? So we can't, we can't, we can't criticize anybody black or you should criticize everybody black. If you criticize anybody Jewish, you're criticizing everybody Jewish. If you criticize anybody Russian, you're criticizing everybody Russian. If you criticize anybody who's ever served in the military, you're criticizing everybody who served in the military. Is that where we're at now in the Republican Party? And there's a big division within the military members. 
we've got a group of people that are strongly coming out as Democrats, impugning the Republicans as being traitors. They just say traitors, traitors. And then there's another group of military members that are coming out and saying, hey, there's no gender pronouns in the military. There's, you know, you're going to get killed there. And if you don't, you're going to come back. I mean, these people are very frank about their disdain for the military industrial complex. So we've got two groups of people. I mean, am I supposed to, I mean, but I mean, let's just talk about it honestly. Am I supposed to salute John Milley? Am I supposed to, am I supposed to? General Milley? General Milley, yeah. That's what I, his first name is John, right? Mark. Mark I'd, Milley, I'm sorry, you're right. General Milley is what I meant. Am yeah. I supposed to, you know, respect Gen, General Milley? He's a fucking traitor. He's, he's a traitor. So, I mean, just because you guys didn't have formally, you know, court-martial him and, and, and have him, you know, brought up on charges of, of treason or espionage. In your opinion, he's a traitor. Yeah, in my opinion, he's There's a traitor. There's a lot of this traitor <laughs> thing going around. Well, look. If you talk to our mortal national enemy behind the commander-in-chief's back without his knowledge and you undermine our position, I don't think there's any better definition of tre- treason than that. I, from, I mean, on a, milita- I think, didn't Donald, on a military basis. Didn't Donald Trump I mean, say- you could even swap secrets. You could even trade military intelligence, little files, or you know, you know, the, how the lug nuts work in the, in the, in the, the future uh, prototype of, the, of the, uh, the stealth bomber, for example, or something like that. But when you're top brass in the Joint Chiefs, and you have a conversation with the leadership of our mortal national enemy behind the back of the Commander-in-Chief, expressively to undermine his, his leadership, I mean, what do you call that? And you know what was interesting about it was- <laughs> Drop in the comments, what do you call that? He was not actually talking to the leadership of the Chinese government. He was talking to the leadership of the Chinese military. So one might ask themselves, who's running the show just generally speaking? Here, there, and everywhere. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of scam. I mean, I'm not going to pick at you because you're going to fight with me. But there's a lot of this traitor accusation going around. And someone's going to accuse Professor Penn of being a traitor because I'm willing to look at alternative versions of history. This goes back to Putin. Is he... Traitor to who? You can look at first off. Well, no, these people call you a traitor. Yeah, well, fuck them. I mean, that's that's good. We can have that. We can have that debate. I think it's. I think uh, all these people who who uh, you know try and present themselves as as uh, protectors of the the Democrat liberal order and use World War II as a, a launch pad or a platform to spread globalism and sell out the American people. I think they're traitors. I think all these Atlanticists like David Frum are traitors, but I mean, who is David Frum anyway? He's fucking Canadian, so maybe soon Canada will be part of America if we if we do what we should do, and then and then I guess we could rightfully call the little fucker a traitor because I mean it'll be America, and you'd be selling out America. But I mean, you know, who is he anyway? I mean, any of these people, Victoria Newland, who is she? I mean, these people do not believe in American citizenship. They believe in global citizenship. So a lot of the things that they would do would sell out America. I mean, it depends on what side of the street you're on. It's an interesting frame of reference by your saying, by definition. If you're a globalist, you're a traitor. To the idea of America the nation. That's interesting. You're a traitor fundamentally to what this country was founded on. Oh, now you're getting down to the root causes now. If I'm an American. What was this I'm Thomas Jefferson. I say that 
that that we you know we don't want uh, puppet monarchs, the Monroe Doctrine, any of these things. I mean, many of America's uh, you know in, inception ideas were a rejection of globalism and economic imperialism, especially from the British Empire. These people are serving the. I mean, they're expressly traitors to our founding documents. Okay, let's just say this again because I think we're getting down some really critical issues. Did I just hear you say? Just want to make sure I got it right that the founding of the country was expressly a rejection, a rejection of empire, a rejection of our place, America's place in the empire, a rejection of British imperial globalism. We rejected that. Right. Did I understand what you're saying? Oh, absolutely. Well, how the hell did we get into the mess we're in now? Traitors. <laughs> traitors. Traitors. Yeah, they're traitors. So they, they have betrayed the spirit and essence of what it was to be America. Absolutely. And what was their lever point for doing so? I think that'd be slavery. Or World War II. Well, it started a long time ago. Yeah. After the Civil War, where did the administrative state really find its birthplace? After the Civil War, to create a bureaucracy to overwhelm the power of the states to do their own thing. The minority rights. That's correct. So we have this administrative state. It's a sophisticated thing, and people don't understand how sophisticated these people are. I mean, they'll they'll leave you a breadcrumb trail over here that's full of emotion and cultural, you know, passion and like the Black National Anthem. Nobody even thinks why are we why are we accepting that this league plays the national anthem in the first place? Why do we let them put the red, white, and blue on their logo? And then when June comes and it's LGBTQ month. They paint the thing rainbow. Why do we let them take the rainbow? Yeah, I why, mean, these are why, sophisticated why cultural... Do they get, why do they get to use our most sacred cultural mechanisms to promote their money-making schemes? That would be called wrapping yourself in the cloth of faith. Right. Faith in our country, in this case. Right. Or faith in Christ. That's why I would like to see the 501c3 exemption Wiped out for the church. But was it really the Marxist? I said this on my show the other day. If you think the reason why we lost this country is because of black people, or if you think the reason we lost the country is because of Marxists or communists, you're lying to yourself. You're a whiner. You're a complainer. In the sports world, we don't have time for those kind of people, which is why it's fitting for me to be uh, a, a rising voice. In the the hatchet man. That's right. That's why it's fitting for, we don't have time for whiners. You know, oh my, you know, they did this, they did that. What the fuck did you do? Or more importantly, what didn't you do? I didn't tell you this story. You're going to laugh about this. All these marks, every time the Marxists and communists touch something, the people who, who were in the know. Somebody bent over. They, well, they bent over, they ran and hid. Like, like the LGBTQ taking the rainbow for their own their own movement. Why did the Christians allow the the LGBTQ movement to take a, a biblical icon like the rainbow? One of our well, because you people didn't believe in the stories yourselves. Because if you believed them enough, you'd you never let it. Happen. You'd never let it happen because that's our that's a. You're busy watching football. I guess so. I went to a uh, party this this past weekend. You're gonna like this one. And I didn't go as Professor Penn. I went as a civilian. Because it was a party after all. Yeah. And I, you know me, I don't go to a lot of parties, but I found myself at a party. And there were six American citizens, all my age, all of them. They're all my age. We're sitting at a big car table. 
and uh, drinking beer, and they're telling stories, and I'm listening. I don't see anything political because, you know, it's not that right venue. And all of a sudden, one of them started to complain. And another one complained. They started complaining about this and started complaining about that. I'm just listening. And then they started in on the gay people. I said, okay, you motherfuckers, shut up. I have a question for you. Who here will be attending Minnesota State Caucuses on February 27th? And they looked at me like I was speaking a foreign language. I said, you know what a caucus is? No. I said, you know, don't complain in my presence. I'm going to be ugly about it because you guys are secondhand jerk offs. Well, I didn't use that word because you hadn't introduced that in the mm -hmm. t shirt. Mm -hmm. I just, there's a word, pusillanimous, pusillanimously, which is an ancient word which says lack of courage. And my theory is that's how we got the word pussy, not from women, but from pusillanimously. And I looked at him and I said, You guys, I don't mean this in a sexual way. You guys are pussies. You have no courage. You want to complain. I got really mad. In fact, the women ran over to make peace because I got pissed off because these are people my age, mm -hmm. business owners, workers. One guy owned two farms. Another guy worked as a plant manager. These were not accomplished people, but they were just good American citizens working, and they were complaining. And I said to him, I said, I know you're not even going to remember on February 27th that you need to go. You're not even going to remember. Yeah. I got pissed. So I want, as long as we have this moment, because a lot of times we forget to say this, on the 27th of February, if you're in Minnesota, it's our chance to self-govern. See, now, you, you don't even think about self-governance because you're self-governing and you're a candidate. So, you know, there's so many ways that someone could self-govern. One could self-govern just by maintaining their health. That's a way of self Own your own business. But my gosh, people have to get out and take responsibility for themselves because there's nobody coming. There's no cavalry coming. <laughs> right. We are the cavalry. We. Right. Right. So, I, I mean, we should try this. We should have another protest at the Fed. Just put it out and see who shows up. And when it's you and me and two signs and the cops, we'll know who's with us. But you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. Yeah, I mean, and it's fine. Look, you know, everybody gets to gets to choose how the country burns. Now, that's a that's a great way to look at it. And you can complain about whatever you want. I mean, you know, I can just see, and it's funny to watch. It's frustrating, but it's somewhat comical too, because I can just <laughs> see, you know, when when the black national anthem trends on Twitter or on on X or wherever it is, <laughs> and people just storm the topic, and and they can't. I mean, they can't even help themselves. They're being baited into a nothing ish. It's nobody gives a fuck what happens on Super Bowl Sunday. It, you shouldn't. I mean, it's significant culturally because we've made it significant, but it's only really significant because of the lack of significance in everything else we do during the year. I mean, even if you watch the Super Bowl, even if you put your blinders on to all the the bullshit propaganda that's baked into it, just the the happening itself. If you were involved in politics, if you were active, if you would, if you were in caucus, it would kind of offset one another. Does for me. It would make the Super Bowl not not significant. But the the Super Bowl becomes hyper significant when you don't do any of those other things. And then to top it all off, you whine and complain about the most benign, you know, piece of of the whole deal. You know, does Matt Gates get to say, you know, respectfully, Matt Gates gets to say, hey, this is what I think about this. Why? 
shit, at least he's in the, the, the well of the Congress stirring shit up. So I can even take, now I disagree with his take on it, but. But you respect it. But I respect that he gets to have a fucking opinion because he's in the. He earned the right. He's crossing swords. He or he Some of you guys right. are just getting secondhand jerk offs, watching Matt Gates do it, repeating it to your little cohort of friends, and you're not even involved in the process. You don't even get a say. You actually don't get a say. You have, you have conceded your say in the matter, and you you've had, you want to you want to talk about what Marxists and communists have done? They've actually got you to believe that being able to say it on X is having a real say. That's the great scam. That's the psyop. Or possibly voting. Yeah, freedom of speech is great, no doubt, and we should preserve that. But let's not mistake that for having a say in the process. Those are two totally different things. And how do we get a say in the process? Very, well, if, very, you're, very... if you're if you're Jack Posobiec <clears throat> and you're speaking to a million people, then you having a say is different than if you have 300 followers and you're just talking just to be fucking talking. Nobody's even seeing what you're saying. I mean, you know, that I mean, don't mistake that for having a real fucking say in the process. That would be fool. That would be foolhardy. That in fact, that's exactly what they want you to think. In fact, you could argue that they created the algorithms and things just to to help, help pacify you. Help pacify conservatives into thinking other people out there think the same way they do. Even if they do, so what? Are you organizing? See, the communists know the power of organizing. Community organizing. That's right. I remember when I, Obama first showed up on the scene in two thousand and seven. It just I, mean, I like being honest. You know, there's a thing about you know admitting your sins mm -hmm. shows faith. Mm -hmm. Here's a sin. When they say community organizer, the first thing that ran through my mind was, what is that? Because I had no idea, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's what we're doing. We're organizing a community now. And I, I'm going to criticize you, but at the same time respect you. You're so, um, I don't like to even use the word you, but it's the message is so important. The critique is so important mm -hmm. that we forget, both of us forget, mm -hmm. to promote the podcast and more importantly, to promote what we can do as a community to come together to support each other. No, I don't forget. To, you don't? No. Well, then go off. What, what do we want the viewers and no, the listeners to do? I what think, do we want people to no, do? No, I don't forget at all. What do we want people to do? I, 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 I do it exactly the way that I, that I believe is necessary right now. These people don't give a fuck. I'm not going to sit here and beg you. <laughs> you don't give a fuck. You're not going to do it. I'm just telling the truth. This is for my own salvation. I'm just telling the truth. I I I hit the alarm when the time when when it needed to be hit. I rang I rang the bell. I hit the alarm. I told you the French were coming. They're coming. You you die how you want to die. I See he fuck, bro. Fuck you. See how nice that is. You get a nice Jewish man hanging around with you. Someone not afraid to sell. See how this shit works in tandem. You get to just sit there on the top of the hill and say fuck you people. You're not doing anything. But if you'd like to listen to my cohort, Mister Penn. He'll give you a pitch, and here's the pitch. Self-govern. Yeah. Self-govern for your well-being, for the well-being of your parents, for the well-being of your children. You know, self-governance, really, political self-governance is, is really, if you want to break it down by the hour, it's about one day a year. For 24 hours a year, the country could be changed if we could get a sufficient number of American citizens to quit listening to secondhand jerk-offs and become a first-hand jerk-off themselves. Wouldn't that be great? 
uh, you know, we're, when we shoot, if you're going to jerk off, you should do it with your first hand. That's correct. I mean, yeah. it doesn't mean you're going to get it right, right? But at least you're giving it a whack. You're shooting at you're shooting right. your best shot. Shoot your best shot. Yes. Shoot your best shot. Yeah. And then when we get in the ring together, and we are, this is another thing that pissed me off. You know, I'm on X, and every, you know, I'm new to it. Not like you. You're an experienced. I, I, I was thinking to myself, shut the fuck up, cuck. I'm thinking, boy, that's very. <laughs> that's very blunt hatchet man that's very and now i'm out there with these people and i know why you do it because you defeat them in the in the ring in the ring of ideas and here's what they do they run away they don't come back and say oh professor penn you've just defeated me let my let me tell my million followers that i've just learned something from you No, they just disappear so you just cut right to the chase you just say okay you suck and I'm I'm running into this all the time now. I you know if you follow me on at Prof Pen Podcast, which I'm asking you to do, this is this is part of uh, the Hebrews uh, dynamic. All of us can follow Royce on X and repost and reamplify and follow the Prof Pen Podcast on X and repost and reamplify amplify and comment. We can actually organize there today because it's relatively free there today. We might have a different idea or a different strategy next year. For example, if you don't know this, Royce now has the Royce White Show five nights a week on radio, mm-hmm. on radio, on the John Fredericks Radio Network. It's on 8 to 9 p.m. Central Time. Now, why do I bring this up? You think I'm bringing this up to promote Royce. You are incorrect. I'm bringing it up to tell you radio is cool, and I'll tell you why it's cool. Because you can say anything on radio you want to, as long as you don't swear. On X, you can swear your head off. Or on YouTube, you can swear your head off. But try to say something about, well, I can't even say it because we'll we'll get a strike. Right. You know? So we've all been uh, herded into platforms, digital platforms, where we have to be careful. And if we're not careful, we lose our platform which is not about making money. It's about getting the word out. We don't even think about making money. You know, this is not the point of it. But then when we get over into the, the radio sphere, let's make radio cool again. You know, there was the French underground with the radio. Radio, I remember when I was a kid, when I got my first AM, my first AM radio, I can remember I used to put it on my ear, KDWB. You know, I had Channel 63. I mean, I haven't thought about that since I've been like nine years old, listening to rock and roll back in the 60s. It was cool. But now we've, we've lost that. We've got to bring that back. And I'm going to keep pushing you because you're on radio, yeah. and there your message is not attenuated. Eight to nine central time. Five nights a week. That's really great. Radio. Everybody. And here's another part about radio. It's analog. It's not digital. You know, I is there a movement in your generation people are getting back into uh, analog? Analog records? Records. Isn't there records? Vinyls? Vinyl. Is that yeah, coming back? I mean, they, 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 they buy them for, for, you know, hip hip sake, you know, to look cool and just kind of as memorabilia. Is it getting cool, though? It's been cool. People, they, people collect vinyls all the time. I got a vinyl player, vinyl records. 
you know that I have? They every, sell them. They sell them. Can I tell you what I got hidden away in my Should I vault? put the Royce White radio show on vinyl? Oh, that'd be badass. That would be badass. You want to know something? I have every Beatles album that they ever made from A to Z. I got their whole catalog on vinyl. Really? It's probably worth a lot of money. So one time I was moving, and one of my daughters was helping me move, and I got over to my new place. Where's the records, honey? Oh, uh, I took them home with me. I didn't think you wanted them anymore. I said, daughter, bring them back immediately. Because she knew they were valuable. That's when I knew, oh, I was on to something here. Cause they did. But I got them all. And they, I, I look through them. I don't play them, but I look at them and I think, wow, this is, this is cool. This is history. So I would like everyone to think about analog. You know, we're, this goes back to what you're saying. We're choosing it. Nobody's making us do it. Right. Giving up our freedom. Right. Not only, and, and that's not the worst part. The worst part is that we whine and complain and pretend like we're not choosing it. You know, nothing, nothing worse than a motherfucker with excuses. As a sportsman, you know, and don't get me wrong, there are genuine things to be said for what the establishment has done. There's a long list of it. There's there's an infinite list. There's an unex, you know inexhaustible list of things we could we could talk about, and it's right to talk about them in conjunction with you doing something. Can I ask you a question? <clears throat> yep. Go ahead. This pro, this quite well developed knowledge of history and philosophy that you have. Hmm. Did you learn this at the university, or did you teach it to yourself? The university of what? University of Hard Knocks, University, University of Iowa. University Iowa. of fucking communism, Minnesota. I'm just curious. Did you learn it yourself or did you learn it at school? Cause no, you have learned it myself. Okay. No, I learned some things in school. I mean, they give you general, they give you general frameworks of, you know, when you go to world history uh, 101 and you're in the seventh grade, I mean, they give you the, the time periods of history, you know, Roman empire, Roman time. I mean, you know, you, you, you develop uh, certain general, you know, knowledge of history, but not any nuanced and complex, not with any real uh, insight, intellectual insight, you know, spiritual insight for sure. No, that didn't come from school. I think that our, our free people radio audience is interested in history. And I want to ask all the listeners and viewers to go buy a history book. Mm. You know, we do the best we can in an hour and a half podcast yeah, or two hour yeah. Hebrews. Like we, we could go back to the Ukraine. We could feel the rest. It's of not it. even like the history is hidden. That's the scary part. As much as the establishment has done to censor the dialogue, to, to censor the discourse and to, to uh, um, curate the information, you know, shape the narrative. Uh, they're not really rewriting the history. Well, they are by perspective. Let me just give you perfect by, by talking head. By but not by the history that's there for you to go find. Well, you got to look at right. all the street corners. I, you know, not I said, really, though. I mean, even like even even the, the, this is Ukraine history about the Nazism. I mean, you can go right there. And oh, it's there. It's right there. It's it's there. not hidden. It's just on Google. Actually, even even with the intelligence community, even with Operation Paperclip or or any other uh, bunch of analogs of of secret operations, Snowden, uh, uh, Assange. None of this stuff is really hidden. Well, here, here's one that I ran across this past weekend that I loved. I loved this because I'm a World War II history buff. Mm. 
Like, I'll go in the ring with almost anyone from 33 through 45. Bring it on. PhDs, come on. Give me your best shit. Because I just am a victim, born in the 50s, of two-thirds of my family going down there, so you get kind of caught up in the, how did that shit happen? Mm-hmm. And there's a great story, the story of the uh, evacuation of the British Expeditionary Force from Dunkirk during the fall of France, when the, when the Germans attacked France. And there's this moment where Hitler stopped the attack. They had 375,000 British soldiers trapped in a port, and they had the Luftwaffe, and they had the Panzers, and all they had to do was pull the trigger, and those people would have died. They were trapped. Mm-hmm. And what happened was there was a break in the action, and a merchant fleet, basically private citizens, went across the English Channel in private small boats. Of course, they had big boats too, but it was just a a flotilla of boats and rescued these 375,000 British soldiers, and they lived to fight another day. And it was, you know, like a big deal, big deal. And people would say in the history, Hitler just stopped, like he was somehow an incompetent leader. No one ever explained why he stopped the attack. Then I watched this Europa, and they show the other street corner. He let them leave. He let them up. Have you ever been in a fight with someone you let them up? I've done it. Just let them up. No re- I mean, I don't, I don't hate you that bad that I got to finish this job. If you're willing to withdraw good enough for me, no reason to make hatred. He actually intentionally, which is not told and not taught, in the, from the street corner perspective of the winners, mm. which then brings into a whole question of who was really the aggressor in the war. And that was part of the Europa uh, presentation that actually it was Roosevelt and Churchill that were trying to force a war against the Germans. And that is, you know, okay, let's, I mean, I'm willing to go sort through that and I'm going to go research this. Now, I'm not trying to deny the Holocaust or all of a sudden become Professor Penn the Nazi. I'm just saying that there's more to this history and more to the necessary research that I have to do as a student of life. I'm not a student of being a secondhand jerk-off because mm-hmm. I know what the secondhand jerk-offs taught me. I know what they taught so me. So what's the claim? What, what, how were Hurt Churchill and, and Roosevelt trying to uh, force Germany into a war? Well, they, uh, the claim in that particular movie was is that they were surrounded by uh, agents of uh, the international banking system and uh, uh, Jewish Bolsheviks that pushed them to attack Germany. And Germany was, in that particular depiction, was erected as a bastion against Bolshevism and communism and that the war was forced upon the Germans and they didn't want the war. And that's a pretty novel position because we are taught that the Germans were uber-aggressive, were, you know, they wanted living living space, that they were expanding their empire, that they were taking back German areas, that they were completely the aggressors and, and caused the war. And it probably was more complex than that. I mean, that would be like saying Saddam Hussein caused that war or Muammar Gaddafi caused that war. We know we've lived through that. We know, I know as being alive, 
when Bush took over after the towers came down, Mm -hmm. the aggressiveness with which the American liberal and conservative establishments came together in a connected effort to go to war with Iraq. And we had an excuse. The whole region. And we had the excuse of the WMD thing, which, you know, kind of was a fugazi, right? One kind of. It was a fugazi. Never found weapons of mass destruction. That was a lie. Well, people say that the poison gases, but lie. that's not what they were talking lie. about. Lie. Full They're, of shit. But, but if my, you see somebody say that, you know you're looking at a fucking neocon. Get the fuck out of here. But the point, the point is, is that that cause of that conflict was much deeper than the surface level that we were fed from the secondhand jerk-offs. They don't talk about the colonialism that was the, the bedrock of what caused all this perturbation of these huge populations of millions and millions of people. That You know, Iraq was a British colony, a British colony. Yemen. Oh, Yemen is the, oh, the hoodie and the blowfish, right? Mm-hmm. Yemen is a constructed con- com- It's a constructed country. It was not. There is no such thing as Yemen. It was made up. It's a made up country. Why was it the way it is? Is because the British occupied the port of Aden to control the mouth to the Red Sea, and the same thing happened on the other side of the water with Ethiopia and. Eritrea and Somalia, these places are horrifyingly screwed up because they were intentionally screwed up. Mm. So then we're American citizens and we don't look at, and this is my point. Thank you for giving me, letting me go on. You're giving me, you're giving me the, the floor today, aren't you, young man? <laughs> Thank you so much. You're giving me the rope and you're letting, I can't wait till I see my getter account. They're going to start <laughs> calling me the Nazi. Nazi Jew. <laughs> the Nazi Jew. I'm a, I'm a traitor. Yeah. I'm a traitor. Yeah. No, I'm not a traitor. I'm a, I'm a seeker of truth because the truth will set me free. That Who in the audience, if you're listening, believes that the truth will set you free? I mean, take a self-inventory. I'm asking you, do you believe? Wherever you are, if you're in the car, if you're home, you know, if you're at work and you're listening, do we believe as a movement that the truth is going to set us free? And if we believe it's going to set us free, what does that mean? What does it mean? So I believe the truth will set me free of a illusion that's created for me by secondhand jerk-offs that learn from secondhand jerk-offs, but because they have a PhD after their name, I'm supposed to respect them because they graduated from the dirty dozen and believe things that I don't have any connection to. They, these people are, well, we had this conversation just briefly at the end of the last well, the thing, podcast. The, 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 the thing that can be said about, about the, about World War II um, and, and Nazi Germany is that the Americans tried to build back, tried to invest in the build back better of Germany after the fall, after World War One. right? They invested in it. After World War One, Right. They tried to build it back better. They invested in the in the rebuild of of Germany. Oh, you're talking about Wall Street, right? Okay, okay. So we put the money in. We put the money in, and we had them on the pay. They yeah. they were on the payroll. Then we called in the loans when our economy got shaky in the start of the Great Depression. So I mean, left them hang them. 
ipso facto, you can say that there's a sort of economic predation that the Germans probably felt like, hey, you guys gave us these loans, these, these uh, you know, as a part of this re- post-World War I reparations deal, and now all of a sudden you're going to pull the rug from under us? And, and, and what was already, you know, a kind of phony financial system to begin with. I mean, banking in general is kind of a... Thanks to who? That would be to uh, Woodrow Wilson, a Democrat. Right. Right, and 1913. So, so, you mean, the, the economic claims or the political claims, the geopolitical claims of, of there being uh, blamed to go around the other nations for what Germany felt, the same you could be said today for Putin. I mean, it's very similar. Or Saddam or Gaddafi. I think or, this is really important. But what can't be excused is how they went about it. And how they went about it was... Violently. Well, not only that, but racially. And I said it before, I'll say it again. The racial the racial claims of the of the, the Nazi movement have always been almost almost comical. And they're comical because they get their ideologies from the same academic institutions that helped inform the people who pulled the rug from under their feet, which is why Hitler was always, in my opinion, uh looking for the the approval. Uh, of the British and the crown. He was always looking for the Hoping for it. Hoping for it, yeah. Wanted him, wanted it, believed in it, believed in Britain, you know, and, and so, you know, you, you were kind of a cuck. I don't give a fuck about no story of Europa. I can I can see that the, the, the root issue is you were a cuck, even if you had some things right. And being a cuck, you know, there are guys out there, for example, you know, not to be too crude, but there are guys out there who take care of their kids, who are married, who pay all the bills in their house, who you know are good, good sons and 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 you know nephews, and, um, who coach little league. I'm waiting for the punchline on this yeah, one. They coach little league. You know, they're they're a part of the little platoons that make this country go. And and fair play to them. It's good that we need that. They're still cucking. <laughs> no, so you can have a lot of things right and still be a cuck. It's not easy to be. It's not easy to have, you know, sacred honor. It's not easy to be a full, a full man. It's 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 very hard. It's really hard now. It's increasingly hard. So that's what I'm saying about Germany is where they obviously went wrong was they got caught up in exactly what we're caught up in now. A lot of what we're caught up in now, and we show it on Super Bowl Sunday, Black National Anthem. We go berserk. Oh my, we only have one national anthem. Do we? Your country's run by globalists. They have no. They have no reverence to the nation whatsoever. You so know, what makes you think that the plan of the Black National Anthem is any more subversive than giving $100 billion to Ukraine? And that's the actual, I mean, if you really look at what happened over the last 72 hours, over the last seven days, the jerk off, the distraction happened on Sunday. Everybody got caught up in whatever, you know, whatever culture. 5 a.m. in the morning. Whatever culture wedge issue or whatever piece of the bread and circus. It could be controversy, it could be gambling, it could be alcohol, it could be sex, it could be ads, it could be racism, whatever it was. On Sunday, that was what everybody's focused on. On Monday, the real business happened. 5 a.m. 5 a.m. in the morning. Up past. Darkest darkest, uh, darkest hour uh, in, the, in the night uh, and, and pass a bill to send 100, steal from you. And the whole, the whole scam is if they can get you caught up in an idea, they can steal from you. And what they stole from Germany, really, the most important thing we all stole from Germany, the world did, the, the globalist post-World War II democratic liberal order, they stole their identity and used it as a scapegoat to justify globalism. 
There's culpability in the Germans for letting them do that. There's culpability. There's culpability in the Americans for letting them do it a second time. We're letting them do it a second time right now. That's, that shouldn't be controversial. I mean, the, the Germans have a right to say uh, uh, we don't want uh, imperial economic forces to to shape and and, and command, run, rule, govern, uh, govern Germany. Well, let, let, uh, the same just, way we do. But let, but let, but the point is, the Germans decided that they were going to go by go about it in a racial way. But let's just let's just stop just for a second before we get in. I don't want to go any farther down that road because we agree about this road. Mm-hmm. I want something just popped into my mind here because mm-hmm. it's related to Putin's claims. Putin is talking about there's these pockets of Russians here and there's these pockets of Russians there yeah. and this used to be Russian over here. Yeah. And he, he really want and who separated all these Russian groups? What broke the contiguous living of people who are Russian. They didn't do it by themselves. What broke all the Germans apart? Why did Hitler feel he had to go back and get the Sudetenland or the Ruhr or the Germans that were living in Austria? Why were all these German groups put into nation states that were not run by Germans? And that's because the colonial powers sought to divide the German people from amongst themselves, the Russian people from amongst themselves, and where else did this go on? Right in the Middle East, this this conflict we're into right now, we've got the Shias and Sunnis, we've got all the, there's so many different groups that are fighting each other that when you listen to it as an American, it doesn't even make, make any sense. Right, because- Now the Jordanians it, are. They're gonna attack the Iranians. <laughs> I thought we were brothers. Now they're killing each other. Three all weeks the, ago, they were all going to come together against the West. It's just, and when you look at what's underneath all of this, it's colonialism. It's the colonial enterprise. Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. What is the Suez Canal? But it's the the fast escape route for the getaway car. The getaway car, the British Navy, bringing all the loot and booty back from China and India. Saving four at that time a month of sailing around Africa, so they could return quickly and rob it some more. It it's it's. Let, let me let me give you a perfect example. Of what I'm saying the 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 duality of, of how this shit really goes down makes it hyper hyper difficult. Okay, Vladimir Putin's a great example. I think intellectually he's he's proven time and time again he's leaps and bounds ahead of most world leaders. That's just that's just my take of it. On face value, when I hear him talk and the way he goes about, the way he goes about expressing his point, whether it's to the Russian people or now in an interview with Tucker Carlson, he's running laps around most most world leaders. He's a much more authentic, probably because he has much more autonomy as a leader in Russia than many of the other puppet politicians that we get a chance to hear talk, like Joe Biden, for example, but but others as well. Um, but here's the reality. When I listened to the Tucker interview a second time, mm. I realized something. Mm. Vladimir Putin's a fucking globalist. Oh, for sure. Oh, he's a globalist to the max. He and even it, said, there's not going to be any fighting. Yeah. That would be against our interests. That would be illogical. Right. When he said that, I said, you know what ran through my mind? That damn Royce White is right again. Because we had that argument about how serious things are. Mm-hmm. And you said, it's just a, a scam. Mm-hmm. There isn't. We're not on the verge of any nuclear war. Mm-hmm. Just relax. They're just because you know I get 
I have that anxiety because they hauled all my folks away, killed them, shot them in the back of the head. So I have anxiety. And you said, and I thought, you know, darn it, you're right again. Because I heard the same thing you heard. He started saying, that would just be illogical, using nuclear weapons. Nobody's going to do that. He actually put up a guardrail. And he was really actually overplayed his hand a little bit, actually. Really kind of gave the game away. He did. Probably did it on purpose. I don't think he, he probably did. did. Yeah. No, what, what, what I took away from the, the interview, and I, what I think most people should take away from the interview, is that for some strange reason, uh, uh, the, the Americans, uh, you know, our security state and intelligence community is unwilling to let Russia become a part of the globalist agenda that they want to become. I mean, what? And he made that case. What, what, he said, yeah. we have the biggest economy in Europe. Not only that. He, you know, he, he, he said, made a whole case about how good they asked, are at the game. We asked to be, we, we proposed to be a part of NATO. We tried to create a, a, a joint. With Clinton. A, a joint defense missile system. Talk about totalitarian government. Wait a Talk second. Talk about totalitarian globalism. Wait a second. Aren't Russian cosmonauts and American astronauts still working together in still the space station? Still working together at the highest level, the, the single highest expression of technology. Literally. Space. Yes. We're, so all this shit's Russians going on. Russians and Americans still work and collaborate. What is that? A scam. Oh, it, we're being scammed. And you know what the scam is? $90 billion. Frog up. Frog up. How much did you tell me that was for every citizen? Yeah, thirteen hundred dollars per household. Thirteen hundred bucks. Frog mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Frog up. Thirteen hundred. Hey. No, and look, I'm not saying there's not a genuine uh, conflict taking place. Uh, you know, for the for the split. What I'm saying is there's there's a war, and then there's a war behind the war, and the war behind the war in this case seems like, for some reason, Vladimir Putin. Uh, you know, has, has brought Russia to a place of relative modernity and 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 um, even democracy, you could say. You know, after the fall of the Soviet Union, and he, and the the West is still skeptical of them. They're still they're still side eyeing them. They're like, we well, don't the, the jerk off crowd, the secondhand jerk off crowd. They're they are making a big effort to say that the Russians are just communists, that Putin's a false flag, he's still a communist. Okay, but here's the, here's the tale. Let's say they're lying. What would bring them into the NATO alliance? What, 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 what clauses or, or provisions are there in being a part of the NATO alliance that would allow Vladimir Putin to pose as a, a friendly within the alliance and be able to do something that he can't do outside of it? That doesn't make sense what, to me. What's the point of the alliance if it doesn't have an enemy? That's, I mean, that's, he tried to take that's it off what I'm the, saying. Right. He tried to take the enemy part off the that's table. That's what I'm saying. Right. Why would well, anything well, you that, can't be anything hey, the game could, doesn't work unless we got two teams. Anything we could do to Russia, anything we could do to Russia outside the alliance, we could do to, to do to them within the alliance. Sanction them, economic sanctions, uh, penalties, whatever. I mean, we could throw them out of the alliance. They could vote. The NATO alliance could vote to 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 have Russia be taken out of the alliance again. So why was his why was Russia's entry into the NATO alliance rejected? It seems like it was all done so that there could be a healthy number of boogeymen out there to justify the military industrial complex to on keep both, stealing on your bo- money. On both sides. To, well, no, Works not on, on their, their side, side too. No, not really. I mean, no, they got their own 
military industrial complex. Nah, I mean it doesn't work on there. They, they, they look. Everybody's more scared of the. I told you before. I told you when this whole thing popped off. People are way more scared of the Russian military than they should be. That's they what, can't even take the Ukraine. That's what Med, Medvedev said. He said that if there's an actual confrontation between Russia and NATO, the two sides are mismatched, and they're going to have to use nuclear weapons because, from a military perspective, it's not even can, close. It's not even close. That's it's, exactly it's what even, they. Not, that's what they said. But I want to go back. But Ukraine can't defeat I, Russia. I, I just want to go back to this before it gets lost, because I tried to say this the last time, and I want to say it this time because I want everyone to share my pain about this. So here, get ready for some pain. Look at what the British have done to the Germans. There's Germans all over everywhere, and the Germans felt they had to fight a war to reunify their population. Now Putin is saying the same thing. Russians here, Russians there, Russians everywhere. Where are the, We're going to have to bring our family back together. And everybody hates everybody else. Like you get into these areas where they've created these political uh, entities that are not natural, and you get these groups that just hate each other, and then somebody stokes the hatred. Because, like, for example, Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia existed as a country for 50 years, no problem. Then Tito died, and the next thing you know, you got five countries and everybody's going I don't war. know about this. I see this a different way. I'm not, <clears throat> I'm, not, I'm not sold on this. I'm not even sold on Vladimir Putin saying, you know, all these Russian-speaking people. First off, all you motherfuckers know how to speak English now. A lot of you. A lot of these people speak English. Chinese, too. Because America was the top dog. And Chinese know how to speak English. Yeah, Japanese, too. Speak perfect English. I seen them, I seen them uh, sing a Green Day song in perfect English. And live, live Green Day concert there in, in Tokyo. Um, but I'm, I'm not so sold on all of this historical claim for which peoples are belong to which... Look, there's a difference between nationality and ethnicity. And this idea that the Germanic people were beholden to and, and belonged to Germany as a nation is a, is a sort of conflation of history. Uh, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not making that connection. Because who were the Germanic people to begin with? I mean, you know, if you want to do that, I mean, where are we going to... The nation state was an important development in human civilization. It puts boundaries on man's unfettered ambition. As soon as you start to rope in all the people who ever connected to you who spoke a language, it's infinite. And it just gives you another justification to remove those borders. But when you have And that's what that's the mistake Germany made. Well, oh, well these people are Germanic too and these but yeah, there's a lot of Germanic people spread throughout Europe. There's also a lot of people in Germany who didn't originate there in Germany either. No, they didn't. So they weren't so nice to them. Okay, so I mean, well, you could play that pendulum is always swinging in both directions. But, it, but it's both, called coming both, and going. Both, People are always coming and going. But both things exist. Your case and what I'm saying, when you create political boundaries that put groups that are not in harmony with each other into a political entity, and then you stoke hatred. See, that's the issue. Yes, it's that's like different. our. Well, that, that's the point I'm trying to get yeah. to. Look at all these countries that were all victims of the colonial enterprise, which is really an extraction operation, just like robbing a bank. Right. They, did it for, they did it for the money. They, did, they made these people hate each other to get the money. That's a strategy. Okay, here's my point when I say I want to save my pain. I think they're doing the same thing. I think we, the people, are suffering the same PSYOP 
here today in 2024? Why do we hate each other like this? I'm not saying everybody has to agree with me. Do you have to call me a traitor and a kite because we don't have the same ideas? Come on. What happened to, uh, you know, freedom of speech and freedom of assembly? And that freedom of speech means freedom of thought. Right. 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 We're, we're moving away from that. We have to think the same thing. What kind of scam is that? If we don't think the same thing, we're supposed to hate each other? I don't like that. Yeah, but the, the, the problem is that that mentality is used in both directions as well. That's the mentality that the globalists and anti-humans use to justify one world government. Correct. Yes. You're right. They're taking <laughs> they're taking it and, and, and running with it. But the point is, is we have to have anchors. There have to be some anchors that hold the people to a certain place, a certain set of ideas, a certain culture, certain values. That's fine. America. And I think that America's founding ideas are the greatest uh, development in the history of humanity in terms of the framework of government and how to structure a nation. That's, that's my opinion. You think differently? Fine. I'm, show me the documents. Who are the, whose country has it better from an intellectual standpoint? Well, the first question is, have you read the documents? Well, and I'm not even talking about, I'm not even talking about how they're used and interpreted today. I'm talking about how they really read, right? There's a difference between that. There's a difference. And people say, well, uh, America, you know, is this or that. Well, there's the America as it, as it operates, but then there's the America on paper. I could draw a game plan down on paper, and then the people who go execute it are shit. They, they, it's not a failure of the documents. It's not a failure of the it's documents. Of the like people. the Bible. Right. It's the same where they say, well, oh, well, you know, these Christians did this, or they did that, or they're responsible for this. It's not a failure of the documents. Oh, why, why is it that the Bible, <laughs> why is it that the Bible loses its credibility based on what people did with the set of ideas, but communism is always going to be improved with the next group of communists that do it? Prime example. Oh, well, those communists didn't do it right, but these communists or, or our communists will. But, the, the, but not Christians, though. Now, the, the next iteration of Christians who try and apply the documents right, no chance they'll get it right because of the, the Crusades or because of the uh, slavery. Fuck you people. You're, you're liars. Okay, you're out. I can take that whole group. You're the secularist traitors from the globalists. Okay, good. You're out. Now we're down to this nationalist movement. Okay. Who in this nationalist movement is going to prevail in having the right interpretation of the ideas and the right anchors to live by. Are we going to be Darwinists? Are we going to be Christians? Well, that, that, that's, that's okay. That's now we're getting down to the, the issue of why we have a secular progressive educational system. Right. Because I always say, and I, you know, people that are following me at prop Pen podcast on X, or they come to the podcast and I'm sure you're doing the same thing. Everybody needs to know this. We have no time to coordinate. It's the only time we get to talk. It's great. It's nice to see you. Thanks for having some time for me today. Thanks to have you. Thank you so much. Right back at you. Hebrews and Negroes. It's fantastic, (laughs) isn't it? You got to have a, you got to have both. Okay. You just to get things done. We're going to have, have the hatchet man and the salesman. Mm -hmm. We're going to go out there and we're going to get the job done because you have no time for the bullshit. And I have time to speak to the bullshit. And the reason I say that is I'm raised with a sense of hope that people would like to become educated. I got that from my father. Now, Mrs. Professor Penn thinks I'm a dummy because I believe that. But I got it from my father. My father taught for over 50 years. He took so many people 
out of the St. Paul inner city, people from the community at the Rondo area, and help them. I, it was at my house. I mean, I was there watching them teach people how to read. They were at the university. They had a thing called General College. I don't know if they still have it. But students that were not able to get into the school could go into General College. And my father spent time in General College working with people. He had this belief that people wanted to learn, and the reason why they didn't is they just hadn't found the right teacher. Mm. And, I, and I have that, that sense. It's a very expensive sense to have. <laughs> you, you, get, you get fucked a lot uh, trusting everybody. But if, when I look at the two different paths, one trust no one or trust everyone, I'd, I'd rather, you know, love my neighbor as myself. Anyhow, my, my point is we're going to go out, we're going to get organized, we're going to build this community, and we're going to build it around very simple ideas. And the, this is what I want to come back to. The progressive education removed an educational system that gave us spiritual borders. We don't have to be governed externally if we have internal spiritual borders or at least internal spiritual aspirations for mm -hmm, borders. Mm -hmm. We all start, struggle with the issue of sin. But if you don't see sin as sin, you're kind of starting at a deficit, right? Right. So the, 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 our movement, and I'm, I'm going to speak for us because it is a movement, yeah. and you correct me when I run afoul. Mm -hmm. I think we're about restoring spiritual and physical borders because we don't have a country otherwise and we can't govern the country if the individual citizens don't have an internalized set of values that we generally agree on <laughs> and that goes back to what you were saying this is what got me off on this rant was the christian foundation of the country which yes. has been wiped aside by the darwinists and the globalists yeah, right on both sides of the political aisle they, they agree mm -hmm. that's why we now have a new ugly word a new bad word it's not libtard or liberal or leftist. or No, it's conservative because mm -hmm. they're the same people if they're materialists. Absolutely. Because what's the difference between a Nazi and a communist? Not very much. <laughs> what's the difference between a liberal and a conservative if they're both Darwinists? An argument about where the border begins and where it ends. And, and we have to have borders. I mean, let's, let's be clear. We, 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 that's the whole point of what we're saying is you have to have spiritual and physical borders. Um, it, it's in a, look, just what the Nazis did and saying, oh, these Germanic people, just what Putin's doing and saying, these Russian people over here, these Russian people over there. Um, and, and look, there are wars that have to be fought. Sometimes uh, a territory just can't handle uh, the, the, the duopoly of, of uh, you know, a new state that was created in an old culture that existed, and, and that, that has to go down sometimes. Cool, fine. If the Russians and the Slavics, the Slavs want to, you know, duke that out. If the Germanics and the Slavs want to duke that out, you guys fight that war. Tell us, you know, tell us how it, how it turns out. You know, we'll we'll be here watching. You go to popping some nukes off or something. Well, that probably wouldn't happen anyway. But if it does, I guess all of us are implicated. And then there's a whole new discussion to have happen. That's not what's going on. They're artillery shelling each other. Brutal, ugly, ruthless. You know, bloody. Okay, I mean it's war. Nothing more than we've done or not done to people as well. For America, though, we adopted a similar sort of, uh, you know, idea, mentality about the, the reach and the scope of America's empire. We think the same thing. We just call it interest, see, because we don't have a cultural identity, a genetic, ethnic identity. 
our corporate global political identity has become the substitute. So now everywhere where our interests are, our national interests are, we defend with the same type of fervor and fervor and expansionist, you know, sort of method as the Germans did with the other Germanic tribes or whoever they were trying to reconsolidate or the Russians or, or the Chinese or think that, you know, Scam. we're doing the same thing just through a, polit- a, a geopolitical, uh, you know, sort of sort of framework. The, the American empire, oh, all of it. Oh, now it's the Commonwealth. Now it's the five eyes. No, but the, fuck the five the point, eyes. The point is. What the fucking Canadians? You motherfuckers are going to be American pretty soon. I guarantee you that. No, okay, you want to be saying, an alliance? It's going to happen. New Zealand? Fuck you. American fuck citizens. Fuck New Zealand. Amer- fuck Great Britain. Fuck Australia. You motherfuckers are out there on the, the Australians. You got your own fucking culture there down under. Okay? You fucking deal with your own shit. You British, you deal with your own shit. You're too far from us for us to pretend like we're a commonwealth. We're not a commonwealth in language. Let, let, let's be honest here. This whole lie, that language, is you know, is this this cultural uh, uh, Unifier. linchpin. Yeah. Now it's come, give me a break. Yeah, you, he, so you can bullshit each other in the same vernacular. You know, That's this, is, it. this is great because I'm thinking to myself, you know, as an American citizen, I get nothing but a bill for 1300 bucks from this 90 billion because my interests are not satisfied by what goes on in the Ukraine. I don't get any benefit. I guess was thinking, I guess the scam is if you're German or if you're Chinese and the Chinese are out there running some globalized scam and you're in some village in central China and you're saying to yourself, how in the fuck does this benefit me? So the ethnic identity and the globalist identity, really, both of them exploit the the everyday person who's just trying to run, raise a family and live in harmony with nature. Right. So you know that it's the whole thing is a little bit scammy when we start losing our borders. Once we have no no limited ambition, and unfettered we, ambition. The unfed, That's what the want border, to be God. But that's a spiritual border, right. and we need that. Second issue. Second issue. You know, I thought a lot about our last Hebrews. Mm-hmm. And I, when I was fighting you, you said, why don't we just write a check for $34 trillion and pay the debt off? Right. You're exactly correct. That's what should happen. That's what should happen. Just write it the fuck off. Yeah. No, they don't want to. They like us straddled with debt. That's correct. That's the whole scam. We need to the turn. The debt is the scam. We need to turn that. And this pl- is what I plan. I, I meant to say yet last time that I didn't get a chance to say, to try, further explain that is the whole thing is backed by America's military prowess. Not only America's military prowess, but the belief, currency is a game of belief, the, the belief in the financial system as it was constructed after World II, World War II with the Bretton Woods Conference, and then the United States dollar as a reserve currency, then the petrodollar, and mountains and mountains of other financial economic instruments. Okay, we get it. It's about the belief. Well, nobody's really turning from that belief. People are dumping dollars, okay, but there's still way more dollars out there than there is fucking petro yuan. They can tell you what they want. And the reality is none of them really want to throw down because America's military has leapfrogged everybody else so much that it can undergird the entire European Finocchio NATO alliance single-handedly. Well, there's a new gap I just saw on, on the news today before we came on. There's some new national security risk that the Russians have over us. Of course, hypersonic uh, missiles. Whatever systems. it is, Great. we'll find out. Yeah. But we have to take that public debt as a movement. We're not talking about 
This is not theoretical. If you join this movement and support free people of America and amplify this message and build this population of American citizens, I'm going to tell you what I'm working for. I want to take that $34 trillion of public debt and turn it into your private asset. We're going to talk about a payoff for the yeah. American people. Because it's someone's like refinancing get, a, a, a money into a mortgage. Well, somebody's getting paid off. Why can't it be me? Why can't it be just average, everyday American See, citizens? See, but the, and, and again, why am I toting the, the note? The, the reason why we won't do it, the reason why we haven't done it, is because what you mean, we? We <laughs> we would we as a nation we would have to reprioritize American manufacturing so we became an asset and equity based economy. We like being, great. When do we start? But we, you can't even do you can't even do that if you do if you say shit like Marco Rubio said on the Senate floor that that America's the the way of life here in America is dependent on all these other places in the world. Well, as soon as you start thinking that, we have to remain a debt society because we can't pay off the debt. Because if you paid off the debt and you didn't start to manufacture and produce things that you add go right value, back in the hole. you go right back into debt. That's correct. Okay, so so you can't self-govern unless you're self-sufficient. There you go, and they right. don't want to self-sufficient. The That's self, the sin of the globalist. And the self-sufficiency has to start right at home. Yes, right now. Yes, grow a garden this year. Yeah. Just make oh, a Oh, they're making that illegal. They're saying that's... Uh, yeah, fuck them. They're saying that's... Fuck Did them. you see that? Yes. They said that, uh, yeah, you know... Yeah, it's bad uh, for the earth. It's bad for the earth. Yep. Self-sustaining gardens. Remember, what about all the, what about all the little self-sustaining gardens they put all over the communities when they were trying to preach that, you know, having a, a basketball court isn't, isn't good for the environment. We need to put a new, a new green garden here for the community because aesthetically, you know, black people need to see flowers and that's <laughs> why they're... That's really that's funny. why their cultural trauma is so. Is that what they told you? That's hilarious. I don't know why those all those community gardens popped up oh, all across really, the black country. people need to see flowers. Now, black people need to actually see, probably some truth to it. Yeah, they need to see some green. They too. actually need to see yeah nature. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not against that. But now you're telling <laughs> us we can't grow our own tomatoes. <laughs> Suck my dick. You people are stupid. And, and and God bless, you know, I'm praying for all these other people out there who would believe this shit. That goes back to my comment about analog. What er, you know, this is culture, right? So culture, what is culture? Culture is a series of, is a set of beliefs and actions and rules that people share to survive together. We've got so damn deep into this digital thing. Yeah. This is analog. Get your, get some dirt under your fingernails. <coughs> Take, you know, go out, just, that's great, but. Number two, we got a three-point plan here. Number two, you okay there? I'm good. Yeah. We got um, we got to take this debt and transform it into asset. And your theory of the case is, if I understand what you're saying, you're saying it needs to be about the restoration of American manufacturing. Okay, great. One, two, number three, end the endless war. Oh, for sure. That's the tough one because now we're really fighting the power. Right, yeah. got a very three-point political ideology. Simple. What does it equal? Peace and prosperity. Energy. Energy is the top one, and we already we're already fighting a bullshit war about this whole thing. Is about the energy. Well, it's it's fenced as being about energy. And Chris Martinson said it the other day on my Twitter space. We got to talking about nuclear energy and and the the uh, the efficacy of nuclear energy. That's already out there. We don't have to get to UFOs and extraterrestrial and, and, and all this other zero point gravity type, you know, energy sources and shit. You know, the 
for the for the astrophys for the uh, Michu Makaku type people. We don't have to go there yet. Just nuclear. What kind of t- what is that? That little Japanese. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Physicist. Yeah. What's his name? String theory. He's a string. Michu Makaku. Michu Makaku or something like that. Great. Yeah. I can, you know, I can picture him. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, apologies to the Japanese people out there from butchering the name. I don't really give a fuck. You know, <clears> I told you, I don't trust the Japanese. I said that already. But, you know, I don't trust the Canadians, so don't take it personal, okay? <laughs> Definitely don't trust the French, don't trust the British. That's not out of hatred. Well, and to be, I don't trust the Sudanese. I mean, I'm, it's not a color thing. Did the Sudanese do something to us I'm not aware of? No. Because these other no, groups No, they didn't did. do nothing particular. No, they didn't do nothing particular. Because the know. Japanese, you know. I don't trust the Ivory Coast. Dis- they, look, two, three hundred years ago, they sold black people into slavery with no problem. No borders, spiritually. They had no spiritual Globalized borders. slave there trade. There you go. Yeah. Slavery, drugs, yeah, and piracy. Yeah, enough, enough blame to go around. What I was trying to say is what do we do now? You, you have to have some anchors, okay? A nation state is a great way to have anchors. But when you have a nation state, you somewhat have to abandon cultural and ethnic identity. That's, that, I mean, the, the two kind of go hand in hand because as soon as you say, as soon as, as soon as I say I'm, uh, I'm Israel, but I'm beholden to every Jew all around the world, then Israel is a global, it's not a, it's not a nation. Isn't that a claim? That is a claim. Okay. But same with America. It's just our interests, right? Democracy. Who's We've that? adopted democracy as our ethnicity. As long as we hold one race superior okay. and another inferior, everywhere is war. China doesn't do that. China doesn't really. Oh, you know what? That's so, CCP, I can't believe that's wonderful that you say that. Okay. Because that has been the, the, the philosophy. If you're a Chinese person hey, that lives hey, in hey, California, hey, hey, fuck off. Oh, you're a traitor. But be, they, <laughs> no, they, you're really a traitor. Unless you're working for the security state in China, then we're or Okay, but we're nobody knows it. that. Nobody knows But you know, that, the yeah. Chinese are really cool about this. They're really very mafia-esque. Mm-hmm. We're in it for the money. We really don't give a fuck about your politics. We don't give a fuck about your human rights, civil rights. Show me the green. Right. And they do that with every country. Every country. Right. Right? Right. My my point was, even if there are Chinese people that live somewhere else, their thing isn't, you know, well, we're going to go, you know, we're going to go take that place. Because we we have we're they're not really beholden. To, look, they try to kill, they try to genocide half their population just out of pure. I mean, what was uh, I'd say, uh, natural resource politics, whatever they were thinking. They just got rid of their <clears throat> that whole their one child policy their sec- shit was loopy. Oh, wait a second, that their, was wild. Their secondhand jerk offs. You know what they did with them? Hmm. Shot them. They shot them. They shot them. Yeah, that's called cleaning house. So they, that, I mean, you know, that's, they repopulated. That's a they're that's an extreme. Ex- that's an extreme version of ethno-national culture, where you're so invested in the survival or or expedience of your your race on the global stage mm-hmm. that you kill your own people. Maybe it's maybe it's about uh, their Bolshevism. Maybe it's maybe it's the communist way of getting rid of the because uh, the, the same thing happened in Russia. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean Stalin, who was. Uh, you see, I'm old enough to remember. I'm old enough to remember. You know, the Russians were our allies. Right. We loved them. We loved them. They gave, what, eight, 15 million, 18 million soldiers to stop the Germans? <clears throat> right? 
18, I think, I think it was more, more than that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Big. But we, they were our allies. President Roosevelt called him uh, Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe, the mass murderer. Uncle Joe. You know, it's interesting. I've been doing a lot of research, getting ready for podcasts upcoming. You know, because I'm into this Jewish Bolshevism thing, because this Europa movie got my, my wheel spinning. I have to ask you a question. Okay. Is Lenin Jewish? Um, do you think do you do you think of Lenin as a Jew? No. Okay. Well, now it turns out he's a quarter Jewish. Does that make him a Jew? Because he was a uh, one grandparent no. was Jewish. No. Okay. The claim is he being can't be Jewish because he didn't believe in God. Thank you. How about Stalin? Is he Jewish in your mind? You can't be Jewish if you're a communist. Okay. You know, uh, <laughs> Judaism and communism run antithetical to one another. But not for certain segments of our current zeitgeist. Of course. No, they'll, they'll say that communism and Judaism... is the are, same thing. Well, no, they're... they're, they're no, cl- no, they're the same thing. No, their claim is that the... Well, first off, let's get this clear. Yeah, let, could we clarify let's this? Let's clarify this. Thank you. The claim is... Because this needs to come from a black man. The claim is that Judaism was always... Uh, uh, um, that Judaism itself, even though professing to believe in God, the same Abrahamic God, was always satanic. Was satanic. Well, not only satanic, but even more casually, it was a rejection of Christ, which is satanic and ipso facto. But but more that it was a pervert. Your your Catholics, you know, you're more uh, you're more uh, what do you polite? You want to know something? You're the more whole, polite. The whole podcast more up polite. to now was just intro. Please proceed. The more polite theological circles will simply say, like the A.J. Barkers of the world, will just say, theologically speaking, that Judaism is, 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 not, is not in the right thought process. That they're, you, not, they're not in the right spirit, okay? Did, did you tell me? So my, wait, had, my, my point is that the, the, the claim is that from Judaism sparked, uh, you know, uh, an analog of communism that has always been in working in conjunction with the religious leaders, spiritual leaders of the, Ju- the Judaism, of Judaism, that they're one and the same, not in that they profess the same things, not that their their ideas aren't obviously antithetical, but that the antithesis is baked into the cake. It's done on purpose. And so that's, that's I mean, that's what's claimed. Wait, wait, I got to get this right. So what I'm hearing you say is that, and I just want to say, I remember we had this conversation. You had some, some of your listeners said you take too long to get to the subject. Yeah. So everything was preamble because we landed on the subject of today's podcast, right? Yeah. So that's really funny. But the, uh, yeah. the, what I'm hearing you say is, if I want to make sure I got this correct. That's what's baked into the cake is, is that the Zionist Jewish dichotomy is manufactured mm-hmm. not organic or real and that it's really one and the same that yes. the zionists and that the bolsheviks the yes are out there fronting for the religious jews and vice versa the same absolutely well how do you think about that i just don't think about it i just it, it just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't float my boat it's, it's just not my line of of, of country it does not matter to me because I know what American identity is based on. Really? What's American identity based on? God. Okay. A creator. 
Christ. I mean, I don't need to, you know, I don't need to split hairs about that. You know, all I can say with with clarity is you can't say you're Jewish. You don't believe in God. We're going to get you all over to one side of the line, not for some strange, you know, roundup execution. But we got to get clear. But I don't like that you can use an identity as a race and ethnicity and a culture and a religion. I don't like that. You can't do it with American. <laughs> that's that's a little greedy, isn't it? I mean, it, it's, <laughs> that's you know, that's greedy. This identity coverall. That's really funny. It's like you know. So religion, I never like when race, they do the bingo this... coveralls at the bingo hall. <laughs> that's that's really fucking bullshit. Funny. That's really funny. You know, get the traditional fucking bingo. Okay. Let's just get it down to. Get it down to what it Believe, get down to. Go, okay. Your book you're called the Torah. If you're a communist, fine. Be a communist. And you communists don't believe in God on a broad basis, and that's a that's a that's so a. So why do enough... they call it Jewish Bolshevism then? Because this is not clarified. Because right, if they right, became Bolsheviks, saying, no, they they're, gave up the Jewish part. That's right? right. No, that no. Well, that is what they should say, but they don't. But then it has nothing to do with Jewish, does it? But that's what they should say, but they don't, because they let their own. You know, uh, whatever you want to call it, hatred, uh, you know, lack of insight, whatever it is, they let that get in the way. In other words, I could, I, could blame it, I could blame it on the Jews instead of going to caucus. Well, f- yeah, back then. Wouldn't that be great? It's the same thing. I could blame it on the Jews. Blame it on the Jews. Instead I, I can't stand it. It's so, it's so corny. It's just weak. From an intellectual standpoint, from a spiritual standpoint, it's just weak. You know, even Jesus said it. You know, it's just like. You guys are, you know, you're, you're faking the funk. He went to the temple. <laughs> That's great. He went to the temple and said it. But that wasn't the sole, you know, the Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John didn't end there. Blame it on the Jews. you got to play that on one of the radio shows this week. Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John had an, an extensive, you know, uh, you know, prescription for what to do. Now I know why the Beatles were so popular. Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John, the four of them. That's why the Beatles made it. John, Paul, George, and Ringo. There it is. You just diagnosed my whole generation. They were standing in, and you know John Lennon actually stood up and said the Beatles were more important than Christ. Oh, wow. He actually, no, he did. He said it. You can go find it. Fuck off, John. Well, he got fucked off, didn't he? Well, yeah, he did. And anyway, the Beatles were, you know, they made great music. What is great music without, without faith? But I'll say again, to be clear, if to me, whether I believe with the, the theology of Jews or not, by the by Jewish theology's own standards, you can judge communism and secularism by their own standards. So these people don't get to say that they're Jewish if they don't if they fundamentally can't identify with the earliest precursors or the earliest uh, descriptions or, or definitions of the identity. Didn't you just Can't recently tell me if you self-describe as something, we're going to take you at your word? Didn't you just say that to me mm. recently? Well, yeah, yeah, in the last episode, I was making a claim. I was Didn't making I, get a, a, I think I got slapped around. I was making a statement that. that certain people say they're Jewish, so in, in casual conversation, if I referred to you as a Jew and you said you're a Jew, it's like if, if I refer to myself as a black man and then you say in a different conversation, well, he's black, I can't come back and go, ah, no, I'm not, I, you know, that's not technically right. You said you're a Jew, you're a Jew. But my, the, Soros says he's a Jew, he's a Jew, but he's not, you know. And, and, and any of these, look, if you don't believe in God, you're not a Jew. Simple. With the whole, but the throughput of this thing is, what is Jewish Bolshevism? 
Is there Jewish Bolshevism? A group of secular Jews who were Bolsheviks. Who then organized to do what? To overthrow? Abraham. Government. Moses. Governments. No, their own Jewish uh, heresy. Oh, that's an interesting point. You say they're overthrowing their own culture. Right. That's a very good point. People lose that side of that. Oh, yeah. You know, because... When you talk about things in a vacuum, like... No, but... Like but, international Zionist conspiracy. But that shit goes down... You think and, Jews don't have inter-clan throwdowns? Oh, we do. Oh, yeah, right well, obviously. Own, for real. I mean, for real. I mean, you they're going to kill Bibi. You mean, go, they're you going to execute him. You no, know, you go home to your mother and father, <laughs> yeah. and you say, oh, oh, I've been going to synagogue lay, you know, yay these last 18 years, and now I've gone off to, let's say, Columbia University, and I come home and I say, oh, that shit's all bullshit. I'm a Darwinist now. Of course they don't say it like that. They just say they don't believe in God. Mm. There's going to be a fight about that around the campfire, right? Sure. That's a very important thing to re-inject into the conversation that the first tradition that the Marxists were overthrowing was their own. Was their own. Right. Self-hatred. That's, that's lost in the... Uh, Which is... And it, it's, it, it, it reverberates through today to the people who adopted Marxism and, and communism and that they often... One of the first signs of their political identity is, is a sort of self-hatred of their own culture and their own, their own history. Here in America, white liberals, same thing. They have a, a profound self-hatred of whatever the, the categorical description of whiteness is. Even though it's not really real, they found uh, <laughs> enough reality in it to hate it. That's a big transition between the boomer generation and your generation, because in our generation, we hated other people and loved ourselves. Yeah. So that got turned around real quick. Yeah. But I guess it's like any fight. You know, if you get out over your center, mm-hmm. it's pretty easy to get you off your feet. So that kind of hatred, racism, anti-Semitism, which was so pervasive, in my age group, in my cohort, mm-hmm. kind of is getting over your center. Easy to take that and reverse it and make people hate themselves, their children. Because there's always that potential uh, parent-child uh, tension, right? Yeah. Pretty easy to say, oh, hey, dad's a racist. Yeah, I agree. I hate him. You know? Professor Penn, ladies and gentlemen, we're running up on the two-hour mark. That quick? And the reason why I stop at the two-hour mark isn't to cut you off, but um, so we can stream on X and StreamYard, which the, the service we use to stream the podcast on on X and, and Facebook um, only allows up to a two-hour uh, uh, stream, pre-recorded stream. So, uh, Professor Penn, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we appreciate you being here this evening. Uh, it's, it's, it's always a blast. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to another Hebrews episode. I just want to give a special fuck you to the United States Senate uh, for this uh, you know, traitorous uh, sellout bill you guys passed to fit, send more money to twenty two Republicans. Twenty two Republicans, absolutely. The McConnell the McConnell band is still in full effect in the United States Senate, which is why I'm running. <clears throat> Carrie Lake, uh, Trent Stagg, some others around the country are running as Real America Firsters to get into the Senate. Hopefully, if they get in the Senate, they don't get brought into a back room and told this is how things really work, and they stay America first. You know, I will. They may kill me. That's fine. Um, Carrie Lake said the same thing, more power. She's one of the real hitters. I mean, she actually had the offer come formally on recorded conversation and told them 10 billion, 30 billion, doesn't matter. I'm not selling out. You'll have to kill me. 
wow, I hold her in a special regard. Carrie Lake. Uh, I know a lot of people have have a problem with her, but when when push came to shove, she she stood. She on stood it. in the breach. She stood on it. Yeah, she stood on it. But um, yeah, fuck you to the United States Senate. You guys are full of shit. Um, and thank you to all the the audience out there, the America Firsters. Thanks to the people that listen to the Royce White Radio Show on the John Fredericks Radio Network. Um, tune in tomorrow morning, nine a.m. Eastern for the Royce White Show on Real America's Voice, leading in, leading in the War Room and the great Steve Bannon. Uh, shout out to the entire War Room posse, everybody over at the War Room. Grace Is Chong. that 9 a.m. Central Time? 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Eastern Time, there shout you go. Shout out to the, the War Room crew, Grace Chong, Maureen Bannon, the great Steve Bannon. Uh, we'll see you all tomorrow on Real America's Voice. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here again, Professor Penn. Subscribe, like. The Professor Penn Podcast, easy to find, easy to find him on social media. Uh, leave a comment tonight, like and subscribe to this channel. Uh, look forward to the Royce White USA YouTube channel, uh, hosting the replays of the radio show and the Real America's Voice Royce White weekend show. Um, that's it for us. The fight continues. Thank you. The fight continues. As always, Godspeed. <laughs>